a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome in to a special edition of the KSL Sports Front Page, powered by kslsports.com. I'm your host and Utes insider, Trevor Allen, and I am excited to talk to our next guest. He's a guy who's been making the rounds media-wise, but now we get to see him on camera. This is nice. The new Utah men's basketball head coach, Craig Smith, joining me here. Craig, how are you, man? I'm doing fantastic, Trevor. Uh, I have a face for radio. Um, uh, so do I. And, and now that I'm looking at this scene a little bit, uh, you know, my, I, I've broken my nose a few times and it looks a little accentuated. Uh, my eyes are a little blacker than normal. Uh, I'm not getting a whole lot of sleep. And that's a that's a good problem um, to have. And it, it looks like I shine up my head nice uh, today. I'm actually in our conference room. Um, obviously, you know, uh, our facilities here are incredible. In my office, I said when I first came into my office, uh, not this past Saturday, but 10 days ago, Saturday, I could, it was, I mean, it's the size of a, an apartment complex, but I have nothing in there right now, like no furniture, no, so it just echoes like crazy. I did a Zoom call um, the other day with the recruit and the echo was terrible. So I've learned that I cannot do those sorts of things in the office up to this point, but I'm not an interior designer and uh, we can't have official or unofficial visits right now anyway with the NCAA protocol. So We'll make the best of this opportunity. But thank you for having me on. I am so thrilled to be the, the, the men's basketball coach at the University of Utah and excited to get running Utes basketball back where it belongs. For those of you who are tuning in, you guys can ask questions. Uh, just the, the comment section, we'll, we'll try to get to them as we go along here. First off, are you going to be bringing your wife down to decorate the office? Because <laughs> I, I have been in that office and that thing's massive. It is massive. And uh, Gavin, who I met the first day, he's like, Coach, what do you want in here? We'll get this thing designed the right way and all that stuff. And first of all, I have no feel when it comes to that stuff. I know a good thing when I see it, though. Um, And honestly, it's my last priority right now. Like, I don't, you know, these facilities are incredible. They're amazing. There's nothing that our guys in our program don't have. Nothing. And so, but at the end of the day, it's still just bricks and mortar. You know what I mean? It's still, if you have a hoop and a basket, like that's all that matters. So I love how luxurious it is. And it's like the Lamborghini of practice facilities, but that's great. But in some respects too, it's pomp and circumstance. And I'm proud of what we have, but like, let's get to the nuts and bolts and let's get busy. And so it is funny though, you know, obviously I have a different circumstance and unique 
in terms of I just moved here and it's been about what ten days or so, um, but moved from universe uh, from Utah State, and so it's a ninety minute drive. I mean, it's a walk in the park. So you know, uh, our circumstance has been different. You know, we went to our, the Mountain West Conference tournament and we were there for five days or six days. And then, of course, we made it that gotten that large bid to the NCAA tournament. And literally, we watched that Selection Sunday show, saw our name announced. And, you know, four hours later, we were on a flight to Indy. And then we were in the bubble in Indy for seven days or so. And so, and then this came, you know, fast and furious. And obviously, I've been in Salt Lake the whole time, except for about a day and a half uh, over last weekend. And, you know, it's amazing how my priorities are you know, filling a staff, right? Developing developing relationships with our current players and being fully vested in them, um, uh, building a culture, and then, of course, recruiting, and then having connectivity and reaching out and uh, developing relationships and doing things such as this to sell our, not sell, but show our vision of running youth basketball and and um, being home last weekend, my wife's like, have you looked at any houses yet? And I'm like, uh, no, that's like, the, I care about my family and I'm a family guy. And my wife and I have been married for 25 years. We have four amazing children ranging from a sophomore in college to a fifth grader and everything in between. And, and so um, you're definitely drinking through a fire hose. And um, so they came down yesterday. My kids are on spring break and we did look at a house and, um, um, so anyway, you're just trying to get everything going, but I know where our priorities are, and that's getting this program um, back where it belongs uh, on top of the Pac-12. I wanted to start on on some of the roster moves that have actually been made. I'm, I'm not going to get into the portal guys because they're obviously in the uh, portal for a reason, but a guy who went into the portal when the uh, coaching change was made, but then prior to you being hired, um, he went in. And then as soon as you got hired, Riley Batten pulled his name out of the portal. What does he bring to your system and to your program now that you're the head coach? Well, Trevor, Riley's a, a very good player. I think he fits our our style of play in a major way. And obviously, um, he went into the portal before there is, was an announcement and, and, um, uh, and then met with them. And I think he had watched us play a lot at Utah State and understands, like, our style really, really fits them. I really didn't have to convince them of anything. And we have some mutual friends in the business, and um, and that speaks for itself, I think. But, you know, we've had tremendous success at every stop with guys like Riley. He really understands the game. He knows how to play. He's very skilled. We've had individual workouts. Um, for, we did individual workouts four days last week, two days this week. We took – a mandatory day off yesterday, and then we're back out of here in about 35 minutes. And so, um, but Riley is high IQ. He's more athletic than you realize. He can really shoot it. That's one thing that stood out to me uh, in these workouts is how well he shoots the ball, but he just knows how to play. I mean, we're doing some three-on-three stuff, and he's setting flare screens and down screens and has a great feel of when to slip screens and uh, he just knows who he is as a player, and I think that's part of being a great player. And I, I'm really excited to coach Riley, and he's all in. He wants to be here. And listen, I'm not hiding from the portal thing. That's part of our game now. You know, obviously the transfer portal is at an all-time high right now. Um, they're anticipating 1,400 to 1,500 
men's basketball players to be in the portal. We'll divide that out by 357, right? I mean, over the last three years, over three men's basketball players per year per program has transferred out. That's part of the deal. And that's okay. You know, I'm believing what we do. Uh, we've had great success with guys not transferring out. And I think that's because of the relationships that we build with our players and how we treat our guys. And I think our guys see how they get better, right? Skill development's a monster priority in what we do. Uh, putting guys in a position to succeed um, really shows on the floor. And at the end of the day, those guys know that we truly care about them. And so that's just part of it. And if guys don't want to be a part of our program, that's okay. We wish them the best of luck. I know what we are. I know what our coaching staff is. I know the culture that we have, the enthusiasm that we have every day. Our guys have a blast, but they know we genuinely care about them. And that shines. And, and, and then you add in all the other things that the University of Utah has. It's incredible. This is a great place to be. And um, uh, I just can't wait to get going. You were talking about the portal. You did announce that you did pick up a guy out of the portal in Gabe Madsen, a former Cincinnati Bearcat. He only played in two games before shutting it down due to COVID reasons. But for those Ute fans tuning in that that don't really have a lot of, of highlights to watch of Gabe Madsen with Cincy, tell us about his game. Yeah, Gabe opted out, you know, for various reasons last year. And, uh, you know, Gabe, we saw him play a lot. Uh, going into his senior year of high school when we were at Utah State because we were recruiting him and his brother. Um, uh, he has a twin brother. And at the and then there was one other guy on his AU team that we were really looking at. Uh, Gabe was offered by a, a bunch of high majors, University of Minnesota, University of Iowa, University of Wisconsin, Virginia Tech, et cetera, et cetera. I don't remember them all. Um, we knew we weren't going to be able to get him at Utah State, uh, and, and that was partially why. But uh, Gabe and his brother decided to go to Cincinnati. They wanted to go together, uh, but obviously that didn't work out for him. He's a 6'6 dynamic guard. Um, obviously, he's a younger kid, um, but he's got great length, very good athlete. I think he knows how to play. Um, he's got all the tools in the book, right? But, you know, but he's still a young guy. He's a freshman. But we have high expectations for Gabe. I think he'll do really, really well, um, you know, the things that we talked about and the things that were a priority to him really aligned. And obviously, you know, we have such a rich tradition of excellence here. It was just a great fit that way. So um, obviously as a freshman, it, you know, we'll play the best players, right? So, you know, a few years ago, we started two freshmen at Utah State. Last year, we started a true freshman point guard. I'm not afraid to play whoever it is, but the best players and the guys that give us the best chance to win, um, are the guys going to get to see the floor? But I think Gabe has a very, very bright future. Uh, and he's just scratching the surface of how good he's going to be. You were talking about point guards, and this uh, this sparked it up a little bit to where, you know, you had some really good ones. Like, you know, the the story of uh, Abel Porter was was a great story, especially when he hit that, that game winner against New Mexico. You've obviously had great point guard play, but Ryland Jones is a guy – in in his first year at Utah, did some really good things until he got injured and then had an injury-riddled season this past year. What does Ryland Jones' game bring to Craig Smith's team? Well, first of all, I think Ryland's a winner. And I saw him play a decent amount of AAU. He was going into his senior year when we first got hired at Utah State. We knew we weren't going to be able to get Ryland, but Ryland's a winner. He knows how to play. He's very cerebral. 
He makes the right play at the right time. Um, I think he has excellent vision, excellent feel for the game. Um, you know, he had a very good freshman year. I think Ryland's biggest, you know, um, issue, and these are tough things, and, and this is something he can't control, is just he's been injured, right? I mean, his freshman year, I think he had a concussion, and I forget what I think he had a pretty bad ankle, uh, had a bad ankle in mm-hmm. May that it took, my understanding, it took him a long time to recover from. And, and then he had the shoulder um, deal late in the year this year. And I don't know the specifics of that, but Ryland's a guy that really understands the game, coaches son, um, great feel, quick, like he can really slide. I think he took roughly 45 charges uh, on the year, something like that. Yeah. Uh, Ryland's a very good friend of Sam Merrill. Um, Ryland's father, Chris Jones, recruited Sam to Utah State. So um, I've known that family for a minute, but we're really excited um, to see what Ryland can do. He uh, really understands the game, and guys that understand the game uh, have typically really thrived in our program. Scheduling has always been something that you've, and it has been shown on Twitter. If you had, you know, five minutes to go on Twitter after your uh, press conference when you're introduced as a head coach, you had fans ready to run through a wall because of what you said about scheduling. (laughs) <laughs> because that it's kind of a breath of fresh air around here. But is there any MTEs that you're looking at right now? So, first of all, that was one of the first questions when, when I officially got hired was I wanted to see a copy of our schedule and what we have, what is set, what's in place, right, and moving forward. That's a huge, huge part of our job is scheduling. And Eric Peterson, who is one of our assistants, um, you know, we've hired two assistants, DeMarlo Slocum and Eric Peterson, and you know, I can get into that more if you want. But Eric has been in charge of our scheduling um, for the seven years we've worked together, the four years at South Dakota in the last three years at Utah State. And that's a huge priority. And it takes it's not easy. Right. You can have a blueprint for what you want to do, but you still got to get the other team to do it. <laughs> like, you know, and, and so you can try to play teams, but they might not play you. And we've have a good reputation of of scheduling up, so to speak. But it's also hard to get teams to play us because, you know, we've been pretty dang good. And so, um, you know, we I've always said, bring on the competition. We want to play the best of the best. And that's always been our mantra, whether it was at Mayville State, South Dakota, or Utah State. And when we were at South Dakota, we played at Duke. We played um, at UCLA. We played in good exempt tournaments. When we were at Utah State, I'd, I like to tell the story, and, and I've told it a few times, so I don't want to overdo it. But when I first got hired at Utah State, we were picked ninth in the in the Mountain West, and and the MTE we were in was in Las Vegas. I forget the name of the tournament, but Mississippi State was in it, who was ranked. Arizona State was in it, who was projected to be very good, and they both those teams made the NCAA tournament. St. Mary's was in it; they made the NCAA tournament. They tried to talk us out of it and playing one of their lower level tournaments. I said, no, like I want to play the best. And we destroyed St. Mary's and uh, lost a tight game to Arizona state. Um, the, the next year we went to Jamaica beat LSU. We played Florida on a neutral, neutral court, yeah. right? In the orange bowl. And we beat them. We want to play the best of the best. Our lowest net ranking in our three years at Utah state was 42. And that was this year. And, and, and because of that, we got in that large bid. I will never cheat our guys in the program. I will never cheat our fan base, right? We're always going to 
put ourselves in the position as long as we can get other teams to play us to play those kind of games because you, our goal every year is to make the NCAA tournament and win when we get there. And we, although we won two conference tournament championships, you know, our first two years, obviously lost the title game this year, but because of our scheduling and the way we performed, we got recognized to get in the NCAA tournament. And so we're always going to do that. Now, we got to win those games, right? And that's the bottom line. To have a high net, you got to win. And so it's twofold that way. But uh, we're, we're going to schedule up. We're going to play great teams. And uh, I just think we owe that to our, our players on our roster and our fan base. And then if we're good enough, we're good enough. And if we're not, then we're not. And that's just how it works. Now, uh, one more scheduling question, and we'll we'll move on to your staff. And I've got a couple other things, and I I know I know that we're you know sure. crunching time here. You're good, Trevor. Real quick, so when it comes to the MTE, I never answered this. Oh, okay, we haven't. We're we're exploring all kinds of it, all kinds of MTEs. And we have great response from a lot of people, and our brand, right? Our brand at the University of Utah really can carry us in all that that entails. When it comes to TV and our fan base and all of that. So I'm really excited at the options that we have. We just haven't made a final decision yet. Another thing about scheduling, I know that you talked about BYU, still wanting to keep that series going on with the Cougars. And then you also wanted to play other schools within the state of Utah. Um, wherever it was, it was necessary. I mean, I mean, I know you talked about not playing all of them, you know, in the same year, but especially you know, probably within the next couple of years, are you willing to play Utah State? Yes, I would be very open to that uh, as long as they are. Uh, but we want to, like, I, I'm a big believer in that. I'm a traditionalist. Uh, I am a history guy. You're going to hear that a lot probably. But, you know, obviously we have BYU scheduled. I don't know if we have a date scheduled specifically yet. I, I believe they're coming to our place. Um, uh, and when we were at Utah State, we played them. Uh, and then, you know, when we were at Utah State, we played Weber State, like home and home. How many, how many Mountain West teams are playing at Big Sky schools? I would say not many. But we, won. We, we had Dixie on the schedule, but we lost that game due to COVID. We played Utah Valley our first year. And so that stuff is important. There's seven Division I schools in this great state. We know how passionate and how intelligent um, the, the fan base is. It's certainly at the University of Utah. I know it was at Utah State. I know it is at BYU. So regardless of your allegiances, I think it's important to all of the fan bases to play those types of games. And, you know, it's easy to talk big right now. You know, and I know if we lose some of those games, you know, our fan base will be, well, how in the world? And I get all that. I do. But we're going to still do that. I think it's important for everybody and, uh, and I think it's a great thing for the whole state of Utah. I know that there's some comments and there's one in here right now, but I'm, I'm not going to address it in that way. But is there a chance that you would go up to, to Logan and play at the Spectrum as the head coach of the Utes? Uh, there's a chance. And we have nothing in place right now. So nobody, you know, everybody likes to re- try to read between the lines and make yeah. something where there's not. And so let's, I, I would say that's something that I'm very, very open to. Um, um, so we'll just see where this thing goes, um, as we progress in those talks. 
Fair enough. As far as your time with the Aggies, if I was just to give you just a minute or two here, I know I know you're putting out a statement, but just for them to to see your face and all that stuff, what would you say to Aggie Nation um, for the last three years when you're in Logan? Well, it was an amazing ride to say the least, and you know certainly I put the statement out, and it took me a while because it's hard to put a pen to paper. Like there's so many emotions. I'm a guy that wears my heart on my sleeve. And everything that happened is super real. I mean, the experience that we had, and like I said in the press conference three years ago, you know, John Hartwell, who's has done a tremendous job. And, and, you know, I didn't know a person when I went to Utah State. And John Hartwell told me to have a 10 to 15-minute press conference, and it went, I think, 47 minutes. And our goal was to bring the Spectrum Magic back. And, and it was amazing to see that happen um, as we progressed. But I thought we grew together. They have an amazing fan base, incredible people. The people of Cache Valley welcomed us with open arms, and that matters. You know, when I've been married for 25 years, my wife is incredible. Um, for my oldest son, Landon, is a sophomore at Utah State, right? And my my boys seeing Brady, an 11th grader, and Carson, a ninth grader, playing together on, at Green Canyon High School on a varsity game together. That's a pretty cool thing. But and then our daughter Lauren, of course, is a fifth grader. Um, as a family, as a tight knit family and the experiences that we had beating Nevada at home and cutting down the nets back to back years and, um, the mosh pit on the floor, uh, it was a real, real thing. And there's, you know, I know coaches always say this, but there was only a select few places that I was going to go. And this was one of them. And, um, and so the timing was right. And we'll always have those amazing types of, um, those amazing memories together, and uh, it was an amazing three years. And now it's time to move on to the next chapter of our life. And we're excited for this incredible opportunity. And I've always believed in surrounding yourself with great people. And certainly Mark Harlan is our athletic director. I'm getting to know him and his vision. And our visions are very much aligned. And being at the BCS level, you know, you look what the Pac-12 did in the NCAA tournament. I mean, you have five teams that make it and all those teams – you know, UCLA getting to the Final Four and Oregon State doing what they did. And, of course, Oregon and, and USC. And so it's an amazing league. And, you know, you're going up against the best of the best um, every every night. And so we welcome this opportunity. The rich tradition of excellence at the University of Utah is incredible. And I'll always remember in, in you know, my second Final Four was in 1998. I was a GA at Northern State, and I went to – it was my first national championship game. And, of course, the late, great Rick Majerus was the head coach and Andre Miller. And, you know, you go right through the who's who of who was on that team and uh, watching them lose that game. And I've been a part of losing a national championship game at Mayville State. And, obviously, it's a different level, but that was a defining moment in my life. And I sat there. All the fans are leaving, and I watch all the – the, the University of Utah players walk off that floor and they go through on the side. It was in the Alamo Dome. That was a crystallizing moment in my life where that's what I want. That's what I want to be about. And, of course, as a coach in college, you not only coach your team, but you're also the general manager of your team. And I've studied that team and how they did it. And, and I learned a lot from watching that team. And that's uh, that's how we've tried to build our teams 
you know, obviously with character and intelligence and toughness, but those that team had all that. And obviously had great coaching, but had NBA players and had amazing role players. And so I learned so much from that team. And now I got to pinch myself. Now I'm in that spot. And now it's my duty as the head coach and my responsibility to get us back to the promised land. And I'm not trying to talk the talk. We plan on walking the walk. And we're going to do it with great people around us, starting at the top with Mark and all of his administrative staff and the staff that we're bringing in. And, of course, the student-athletes that we have currently in place and that we're going to recruit here. And it's a, a wonderful opportunity. And um, we have everything in place from our resources. And now we got to go get it done on our end. That is actually a really, really cool story The where now it, it all comes full circle now to where, you know, 20, 23 or so years ago where you're, you know, watching, watching the running youths in that championship game. And then, and now you're the head coach of, of the running youths. I think that that's really cool. Now, that actually kind of leads me to my to my next question. I've got two more questions, and I'll I'll catch you loose. You've been no gracious problem, with your Trevor. Time. How how'd you get into coaching? What what made Craig Smith want to be a, a basketball coach? Yeah, I've always loved sports, no matter what the sport is. Football might be my favorite sport. Um, our guys get sick of me talking about football analogies and and boxing analogies. <laughs> I love those too, but that's kind of our mentality and our mantra. Uh, but I've always loved people. My mom had her own daycare in in our own house for 34 years. I'm the oldest of five boys. Um, And I think sometimes, you know, everybody likes to give each other a hard time. But, you know, when you're the oldest, you have more responsibility and you got to pave the way and you got to ask your parents to cross the street or, you know, hey, can I go into the driveway? You know, like you just got to ask permission. And by number five, they're just like, get out of the house, right? Like, uh, but, you know, I've always loved coach. I love, I've always loved sports. Uh, from the time I was whatever age, I always wanted to be a coach. That's always been a uh, a passion of mine. I've always been fascinated by the scheme, you know, the X's and O's piece, the strategy. Uh, I've always been fascinated at it, being a college coach, like I said earlier, about building your team. I think that's an area that we really um, flourish. Not that we're perfect, but understanding those dynamics. And there's a lot that goes into it. It's not just your talent level. Like it's it's easy to spot a guy that's good enough, right? How with their skill level or how fast they run or how high they jump or can they put the ball in the hole? But you also got to understand personalities and you got to understand where you're at and can they thrive in Salt Lake City? Can they thrive at our university in, in digging deep into that? Um, does he fit our culture of, of what we have and can we put him in a position to really flourish in a great way and, uh, you know, I think that goes back to the recruiting process that way. And uh, do, do we already have that spot or do we need that and how it all kind of blends together. So I've always been a fan of it. I love watching high level sports, whether it's the NBA or the NCAA tournament or, you know, the Masters starts today. Not that I'm going to sit and watch it. I don't quite have time for that. But, you know, just the, the competitive greatness. And I've always said, you know, coaches got to coach and got to put guys in the in the best position to succeed. And I don't want to underestimate the coaching piece because it matters, and it matters in a great way. But it's a player's game, right? I mean, those are the guys uh, that are out on the floor. Pella is the guy out on the floor that with four seconds left has got to rise up and make that play, whether it's a shot or the right pass 
or sit in stance and guard the ball and make that play, right? The coaches don't do that. You try to provide them the, the training that's needed and put those guys in the position, but the players are the ones going. Tom Brady's going out there and delivering the ball on time on target, and Gronk is making that catch, right? Lawrence Taylor is the guy turning the corner to sack, you know, Ron Jaworski or whoever it is. And so it's a, it, the players got to do it. And those guys are so elite at what they do. Um, but I'm so fortunate, man. I get to do what I love to do. I've never, ever considered it work. And it's a passion. And uh, I just can't express to you how blessed I feel to be in this position to do what I love to do on a day-to-day basis. Now, we'll end on this. Something that I've always found fascinating. When you first came to Utah State, you had your, your introductory press conference. You brought the energy. You won the press conference. I'm like, okay, we'll, we'll uh, you know, see what happens. Obviously, you've had all the success. But something I've always noticed, and I've talked to other people about this and have, have felt the same way, you bring constant energy whenever you talk to the media, when you talk to the fans, when you coach. So I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that you bring high energy wherever you go and in everything you do. Where does that come from, especially when you're in such a, a job where you don't get a lot of sleep? You know, that's a good question. I've been asked that a few times. I think that's just who I am. Um, I, and I'm passionate about what I do. I love what I do growing up. And, and maybe not all jazz fans are like this, but like Magic Johnson was my favorite player. I just loved his enthusiasm, his smile. Uh, that stuff is contagious. And I truly love what I do. I feel like I'm the luckiest person on the face of the earth that, to be able to to do this. And I know there, there's a lot of things that come with it. It's not always perfect. It's not always easy, right? There's outside pressure, but pressure is a privilege. And you have to embrace that. And I don't think about those sorts of things. I want to be an energy giver. And, and when you walk on that floor, right, or you're in the office every day, let's raise the level to everybody that you're around. And life's too short, man. And there's a lot. This has been a tough year for a lot of people, right? A lot of people have lost family members and, and had to go through some tough times, whether it's health or financial or, you know, what, or, or mental health. There's a lot of things. And, and we've all dealt with different things in life. But I've always, you know, you got one life to live. And so I've chosen to live it and, and, and embrace everything that comes your way. And, and there's hard times. You know, I mean, my wife isn't always real happy with right, me right now because my, my priority isn't isn't always finding a house, <laughs> you know, but it's, um, I don't know, it's just who I am. I was fortunate to be raised by two amazing parents and had a great upbringing all the way through. And I don't want to get too deep into that, but, um, you know, uh, you, you choose to live your life a certain way and I'm going to live it to the fullest. I'm going to have a blast doing it. And um you know, we do have a saying in our program, NBA. And in NBA, everybody wants to talk about National Basketball Association and especially our guys. And that's a goal that I have for every one of our guys. But in our program, NBA is next best action, right? Whatever's thrown your way, you just got to be able to figure it up and get up. And it's not all the old boxing analogy. It's not how many punches you can throw. It's how many that you can take and keep on ticking. And so that's just kind of our mentality. And And uh, uh, like I said, life's too short. Live it to its fullest. 
Well, Coach, I'll tell you what, as a media member who's supposed to be really neutral and, you know, staying straight down the middle, I want to run through a wall for you. I'm just saying that right now because your your energy is so contagious. I know fans feel the same way, and they are really excited for what the running Utes future is going to be. And I really do appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule. I know you've got workouts and all that coming up, but thank you so much for joining me. Hey, Trevor, thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to build, building a great relationship with you and all of – uh, the running Utes family. So go Utes. Oh, I got to learn how to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yep. We'll definitely get there. All right. And that's Utah head coach Craig Smith with us here on the KSL sports front page It's powered by kslsports.com. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.